Somebody told me that uh, I can't call David Gordon Green a hack because his movies make money. What does that mean? Fucking... There are plenty of poorly made movies that make money. Like Adam Sandler movies. There are... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Profit has nothing to do with filmmaking ability. Success and and quality are two very different things. You can sell a piece of shit. Right. I, I don't know. That blew my mind. But I'm not one of those guys that likes to argue about shit like that. I was just like, hey, man, if you like his style, more power to you. But, wow, that... I. It just kind of got me where it's just like, you can't really call him a hack because you don't like his movies. First of all, I don't like any of his movies, and I call him a hack because I think his filmmaking ability is lacking in a lot of areas. But that's just me. My impression of his filmmaking is very much like, eh, fuck it, good enough. <laughs> like, I don't know, I, I feel like the, being a director in itself is already an impressive, like, it, it's a lot of hard work, don't get me wrong, but there right. is a lot of luck involved to getting to that point, and especially with that franchise, like, this renowned franchise among the horror community for them to get a director who after one I I would say the the requel whatever Halloween 2018 was was very much like a eh, it's not terrible fine sure for him to after that do two more and go ah fuck it good enough is just like disgraceful well I think the thing that really gets me about that is and we'll get off this subject here quickly but for 18 the third act is all rewritten Mm -hmm. um and from my understanding that's where a lot of like my criticism of that film besides the characters and like the construction of it comes from is how ridiculous that is with her trap doors and the turning the whole place into a nazi oven i mean it goes to fucking 12 real quick and it's just like wait a minute what what the hell's going on Whereas the original was much more subdued about them having almost like a knife fight out in her target practice area and shit like that. Right. And you're like, that makes sense. And I have to think since that was a forced rewrite and he's like, people actually like that stupid shit? Well, let's really push that. And now, our feature presentation. Alright, and welcome back to Road Trip Cinema. I'm Captain John Rhodes, and with me as, well, I can't even say always, because we have a third host, uh, but with me is... Saeed. Really? Nothing? Yeah, I couldn't think of anything special to do with that, like... Black Saeed? No, that's right. No, that's exactly. That's why I was like, <laughs> mm, not doing that one. Mm-mm. Thought about it, because we're actually on the way to see Black Panther Wakanda forever, and I thought, well, that's... <laughs> The, the theme of today, but I, I'm just not going to touch that. It's I'm the like, amazing I'm, spider, Saeed. Uh, there's just nothing else that really works that well. <laughs> All right, so joking aside, yes, we are on our way, but you will be hearing this after, because if you didn't notice with our Halloween, we're trying things a little different to be a little more on time for you guys. So, yeah, we're going to be discussing the original Black Panther and uh, hopefully you guys have enjoyed this franchise. I don't know. It feels weird doing this because knowing it's going out later. <laughs> right. 
but it's it's just the nature of the show is striking right. while iron's hot. So yeah, and I completely get it and agree, and that's why this is going to be a little different. But let's bypass all that bullshit and get straight to why we're here. Let's talk about Black Panther. So you know, honestly, the thing that feels most weird to me is we're not tackling the whole Marvel MCU series. We're just focusing on Black Panther leading into this one. Right. So we've only. In preparation, rewatched Black Panther of 2018. 100% correct, because uh, through discussions between Saeed and myself, we kind of decided it's way too much and cumbersome to try and tackle. So as we go, we're going to fill in the back with the characters and just kind of go about it that way. Feels so, much more manageable. And uh, this movie's four years old now, right? Right. This is totally spoiler. Oh, yeah. We're not going to do a pre-spoiler-free version. This movie is old. It made over a billion dollars. So it was... Most people have seen this movie. If who, you have seen movies. If you haven't, why are you listening to this? Right. Like, at this point, <laughs> it's... There's no reason to not spoil. Yes. So we're just going to go right into it with the... It starts with his father being dead, and it's this... It's the story of a young man who is trying to figure out his place in the world as a new king of a nation. He's trying to figure out how to pretty much fill this role, is how I took it. So, what did you think of the movie overall? Like, did you enjoy it again? Or did you think differently than you did? Like, from the first time you saw it to now, has your opinion on it changed at all? Um, I would actually say that I, I liked it slightly better this time. Really? What was the change? Um, I, I, I think that I've just become more accustomed to the Marvel style because this one to me, uh, when I initially saw it in theaters, really stood out to me the Marvel formula. Like this one really, I was pinpointing this like, oh, there's the forced comedy and stuff like that. And that kind of graded on me. I, I feel like the moment you're specifically talking about is when... Chase. Really, it was the car chase. Oh right? God, yes. For me, it was when uh, T'Challa is in his sister's lab, Shuri's lab, and they do the the fucking "What are those?" joke about his sandals. Oh, yeah. that was the. Even when I saw it in the theaters, I was like, oh, "You can't, you can't do memes in movies." This is, even though this movie is like pretty close to it had been like three months since that meme had died, <laughs> and it's just like that's the issue with that. You just can't do any current joke in a movie. It doesn't work. But that felt kind of natural to me, like a sibling relationship. Upon watching it again, I had less of an issue with that specific thing, just because that did feel like, well, she's a teenage girl, of course she'd be in the internet, and that it's more right. of a moment thing, and it's, I understand it. Yeah. So it didn't grade on me as much this time, it was more of a, eh, okay, whatever. Well, right, right, right. Look past it. No, to go to the car scene. I think the car scene is good. So we're it's, talking about the one in Korea or South Korea, yes, right? Okay. Yes. And Busan. I didn't realize it was in Busan. Yeah. And that immediately made me think of like Train to Busan. Oh, such a good movie. Still need to see that. But I, I, I think this movie does a really good job of kind of traveling the world. Because there's no scenes in America. This movie yeah. is 100% in foreign lands. It's in Africa and Asia. Yeah. I... I don't know. I, They do, but it never really, like, 
stands out to me. It's never like, holy shit, this is clearly Asia. I, I guess... I, that's a good thing, though. I, it feels... A world doesn't necessarily feel different. Like, it's... You can tell that there's a different culture there, but yeah. it's not an alien world face. to you. It's... You're still comfortable in that world. Because oh, it's yeah, our yeah. world. No, all I was saying is, like, more establishing shots to clearly be like, oh, okay. okay gotcha. That's more what I meant. But back to the forced humors, the conclusion of that car chase... It feels like it robs it of any uh, dramatic tension because, like... Well, the end of that car chase is a very dramatic moment where it's... No, it's not. I would say it's it was. It's a fucking joke that where doesn't he's, he's land. about to kill Claw right then and there. And no, I'm talking about... he has the world about, watching him and... I'm talking about when his bodyguard and his girlfriend... Sorry, I'm not the name guy. Uh, Wreck. Okoye, the general of the... Yes, Okoye... It, it actually is playing like it's going to be tension, and then she lands it, and it's like, okay. And then the car seat comes. Oh, I, I, I hated it in theaters. I still don't like it. It's It definitely felt weird, because it was yeah. like, this is a really cool, intense car chase. And that moment definitely felt like the Kevin Feige studio, like, hey, what if we just did a little joke there? And it's, it's fine normally, but the car chase in itself wasn't like this comedic scene it was it was a very I don't want to say super intense but it was a a very action packed like we're on a mission to hunt this this known terrorist and to just do as many quips as they did felt weird well like I was with it in in the fucking underground casino when Claw is making jokes about having you know his rap posse and he's dropping an album oh and he made it rain yeah I'm okay with that. That's because uh, that Rain character was, leans into that. That's yeah. that character. But to force that felt wrong. Like, it should have ended with one of them injured. Do they have to be seriously injured? No, and we know Wakandans can fix that. Why force that comedy where she grinds up, still holding the steering wheel, in the car seat? Why not actually have her be injured and then we'll fix her? It adds a little drama. It makes it more... I don't know. It just it feels lacking. And I kind of want to say that's my overall impression going back through this is it feels like it was pulled back and that punch that it should have really had isn't there. That I had that thought exactly. And when I said that it has a more serious tone at the very end of that scene, it's T'Challa ripping the door off, grabbing Claw. He's about to murder Claw just in this fucking Korean plaza. Yeah. All these people have their phones up, and he's not giving shit. He's so focused on just ridding the world of Claw, this guy who's hurt everybody in his nation, and he knows he's a known terrorist. For Nakia and Okoye to run up and say, don't do this, the world's watching. Because he is representing, whether he knows it or not, he's representing Wakanda. Right. And if they're just going around to foreign countries and just killing people in the streets, doesn't look great. Exactly. So that that's more of a really tense, like, he has to put aside his anger and hate to be the more reserved king he has to be now. But they undercut it with this stupid, like, oh, I grind in my seat and I'm still holding the wheel joke. Exactly. Like, seconds before. Yes. Um, and we've... We're, we're kind of jumping around on this one, but I, I really want to touch upon this now because we're talking about how the film feels like it didn't land its punch. I half blame that on Killmonger, and I want to say it's because he's such a likable villain. Like, okay, this is where me and John have argued 
yeah. and argued over the role of a villain in a movie. Now, it obviously changes on your story, but Absolutely, typically the way to. I see it in a superhero movie is they have this yin-yang relationship where... You, you mentioned this too, where it's almost a mirrored version of your yeah. character, yeah. but that doesn't need to be expressly... Oh, they're the exact same, but slightly different viewpoints. Which this movie is, and I understand that. Yeah. But I think they this did a really good truly... job. It's, yeah, it's just Black Panther versus Black Panther. That's yeah. what Killmonger does. He yeah. just gets a Black Panther costume and also is a Black Panther. And I I think it overlooks it. I think it it's good enough, Killmonger being an amazing enough villain that steps over it just because of the... Essentially, it's a political ideology that Killmonger has where he's not entirely wrong he's too aggressive about it but you shouldn't be killing people in the streets to rise up and take over and rule your way but he's not wrong in the fact that he wants the world to be run by and aided I should say run he wants it to be aided by Wakandan tech and my point in this is it's not just like he's right it's the fact that Nakia played by Lupita Nyong'o, has been saying this into Charles' ear the entire movie. Yes. She's telling him, we could be doing more. Why aren't we doing more? I'm out there and not here because that's the only way I can help do more because you guys won't do more. I I think my problem is is his portrayal is still comes off as charming. Like, He's written threatening, and I half wonder if it's because we get too much character development with him that we start investing with him that I'm just like, you know, he's not entirely wrong. I think that lies more in the fact that this isn't an, a straight-out origin story for Black no, Panther. No, 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 no. Because we had his intro already in Civil War in 2016. We have the basic idea, and I think they nailed it really good. Like, he had a short arc, but it kind of covered his anger, revenge, he wanted to kill Zemo, or Bucky, because he thought Bucky, Bucky yeah. was behind his father's it, death. But he realizes that it's Zemo at the, at the last final climactic battle, but he doesn't kill Zemo. He sits there and he listens to Zemo's story. He wants to understand. I think that's what makes Black Panther T'Challa so good, and really, Chadwick Boseman fucking sells it so well. This likable person is, he's not that I'm going to beat the shit out of my villain and I win. He's the... And I think this leans more into why he becomes such a good king in the series. He he wants to understand the issue. He wants to see how we can fix this diplomatically. And, I mean, he says, he doesn't even let Zemo kill himself. Zemo right, has yeah. the gun and almost shoots himself and he uses his bulletproof suit and stops the bullet. And I mean, he makes him a prisoner for his life, but he, he won't let him kill himself. They, he understands where he comes from, and that's kind of part of him growing. And I feel like Killmonger just brings him to that next level of growing, where he wasn't even going to kill Killmonger. He didn't want to fight Killmonger if he didn't have to. In the end, he did it because there was no other way to stop him from hurting the world. Yes, and even I agree then, with that. he could have saved him. And I loved, obviously, we're talking about the end of the movie now. I love Killmonger's phrase, I don't even call it a speech, a phrase at the end when he he's thinking about it for a split second about being saved and he realizes I'll be a prisoner for life and he's just he takes the spear out of his chest and says, just throw my body in the ocean like my ancestors who jumped from the ships and yeah. you know, avoided slavery and all that. 
And I thought, that is such a fucking brilliant, genius, like, genuinely sad but heartwarming line. Like, Michael B. Jordan is a fantastic fucking actor. And never once did I think, oh, this is Michael B. Jordan. That entire movie, that was Eric Killmonger. Oh, no, no, no. He, I, I half blame him because he's so fucking good in this. I'm just like, man, I kind of want you to win. Just because, you know, <laughs> he, I don't want to say he'd be more interesting, but. He is a more interesting he's character. more endearing. You just want to be with him more. You want to understand him more. Because we've already had that intro with T'Challa, so. I almost feel like with Black Panther, we have the Batman kind of effect where we all understand Batman. We get it. He's sad. His parents are dead. We understand that. Like, we understand T'Challa already. But now, the story with Batman, you focus on the rogues, and typically Batman's rogues gallery is they're all born a tragedy. Like, they all tried to save someone they loved, or they had some horrible accident that ruined their lives, and just... That I'm specifically thinking of, especially Batman the Animated Series from the 90s, The Heart of Ice, uh, Mr. Oh, Freeze. His, yeah. He just wants to save his wife's life. And it's this horrible, sad, he scars himself for life and has to be in this special suit to even survive. He keeps her frozen until he can give her a cure. And I think Killmonger's tragedy is his father is a Wakandan prince who had. I would say he has more of the villain ideology of, like, we're out here starting fights in the street and helping break into Wakanda, get the vibranium out. Like, he was a lot more aggressive than Killmonger ever was. Yeah. But Eric Killmonger grows up in the streets as an orphan after that because his father dies due to uh, the king going and saving another Zuri's life. Mm-hmm. And this whole scuffle about... Uh, essentially this movie boils down into fights about political ideologies and the only person that wants to sit there and talk about it is T'Challa yeah Shuri his mother Okoye N- N- uh, oh, I forget her name is it Nakia that's it I was going to say Nakia I knew that was wrong Nakia they all fight first think later but T'Challa is very reserved and always let me think first and then act but that becomes his downfall a lot of the time in this movie. But going back to Killmonger's tragedy is he's the orphan that grew up in, in Oakland. He grew up in the ghetto. And he learns that there's this greater world out there, that he is a prince, but he's stuck in the slums. And he grows this anger and hatred and feels like the world was robbed from him. So he fights, takes lives. He does all this to try and make what he believes is a better world. He wants it to be more fair for all those brothers that were lost in the streets that can't get their way out because they weren't even princes of this other world. They're just born into that world. Yeah, just trapped into this, you know, vicious cycle. cycle. Yeah, and um, I, I think part of the problem is is he has the more interesting story. He is the more compelling one to me in this. Well, the movie think, even opens with him. I, yeah. I didn't realize it till my second viewing years yeah. ago, but it's... It's him. It's the story of Wakanda, the meteor hitting, and the tribes forming. It's his father in the... In what, 1992? 92, t- yeah. Telling him the story of Wakanda. So, it's not like he, he just magically... He knows that there's this world that they come from, but that's almost a more relatable story to any immigrant 
family, like a first generation, is let me hear about where we come from and hear our story. Well, I think even for us Americans, that that is a story that we like. I mean, I'm clearly not first generation. My my family has been over here for a very long time, but it's still fascinating. We are a nation of immigrants, and I, I think a lot of us are still fascinated by that. I mean, look at... There's Ancestry.com and all this bullshit that's centered around tracing our history. So I related to it so much as I am a first generation. Yeah. My father is an immigrant, so as a kid I traveled to other countries. and I, I, I mean, I was three or four years old, so I won't say I learned. But, <laughs> but I didn't grow an experience. Exactly. And, but I have, these, I have these memories of being there, and I understand and remember that culture... At least to the eye, like I can, right? I can remember how things seemed different. I can remember the smells and the the sounds were different. Like the chicken nuggets. The chicken nuggets were fucking foul. <laughs> you should never go to a McDonald's <laughs> thinking you're getting, especially as a four year old. You shouldn't be thinking I'm gonna get chicken nuggets for your dad to keep trying to tell you those aren't chicken nuggets. It's not chicken nuggets, but you just see the picture that looks like chicken nuggets because it's just breaded, deep fried, whatever the fuck McDonald's sells. Bite into it and it's like. A vegetable slurry that's been frozen and then coated in the batter. <laughs> no kid wants that. Yeah, it was. It's all. Maybe it'd be cool as an adult. I don't know. Obviously, they sell it and make money. So <laughs> somebody out there, a lot of people must love it. But I thought it was fucking foul as a four-year-old who only knew of American McDonald's. Yeah, when you're biting into it, expecting a nice crisp chicken nugget, you don't want vegetables. No. <laughs> it was. It was like the the cooked food equivalent of thinking you're eating a chocolate chip cookie to find out it's oatmeal raisin. <laughs> it's just it's just so disappointing. But to get back to Black Panther, I kind of talked on my point. <laughs> I, forgot, I, forgot, I forgot where we were with Black Panther. I just knew we needed to bring it back. <laughs> no, uh, we, we were talking about how Killmonger was the more interesting character. But let, let's talk about some of the more... the. Uh, other side characters because we've really kind of hammered that. There's not a lot more. We're going to talk in circles around that, but we get introduced to um, Shuri, right? His sister? His little sister, yeah. Yeah, and I thought she was a good character, but we have not seen Wakanda forever yet, as I've already stated. I'm kind of anxious to see how that character will grow and evolve in this film because I like her as the side character of the little sister, but she was slightly annoying. She had a little bit of, of arrogance to her, and I don't know if with this new film, because this new film, obviously Chadwick Boseman has passed, and yeah. Marvel is carrying on as if the Black Panther has passed. They're not recasting him, they're not writing him off screen, like, oh, he's off doing something else. They're, it seems very much like they're, they're paying as much tribute to him as possible. Which is respectful, and I completely... I, I, I like it. that approach. I appreciate it. Like, like they're recasting William Hurt, but... Uh, <sighs> it's a character that's, like, kind of there, really. Like, that's not somebody's like, oh my god, I can't believe they're recasting General Ross. It's like, alright, it's fine. It, William it's Hurt did an amazing miss. job. Don't get me wrong. I love William Hurt, but he's gone. R.I.P. He's great. He's fantastic in almost every role he takes. And the ones I've seen, like, Into the Wild. I loved him in that. He played... The annoying NASA father. Well, but I, I, whoever they get, I'm not, I'm not starting that fight with you. But whoever they get, I'm sure will do a fine job because there's not a lot needed from that character currently. My only issue is, is they've now set a precedent, and then 
you know, a year later, they're just like, eh, fuck it, we'll recast this guy. And it's like, whoa, 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 what the hell? And I feel there's a difference there between them. Like, the lead of what was going to be almost a future franchise, like, I, I almost saw Black Panther as, like, the lead of the the new world of the Avengers post-endgame. Like, he was going to be been, more yeah. of the, the Iron Man type. Not necessarily that type of character, but, like, he's the lead Avenger. You know what I mean? Like, Iron Man was definitely, like, the head of the Avengers. Oh, yeah, he was the center. I, I felt like... Him and since Cap. Since, uh, uh, since Shadow Bozeman's past, Doctor Strange has kind of taken on that role of, like, the lead character of the series. I was going to say that, yeah. But, uh... I kind of forgot where I was going with this again, too. But, uh... You, you feel like there's a difference, and I just feel like it's... We're almost talking oh. about classism with fucking character actors. We got way off topic. Okay, so I, I remember what we were talking about. Now, I think the death of Chadwick Boseman and that character will maybe make Shuri's character more serious. More of a... Not just a side character that makes goofy quips, but more of this, like, lead. You and, think it's going to force evolution in the character? Yeah, like, you grow from death. Yeah. Unfortunately, that, that's... I feel it like it's a bad us. thing to say, but... It's you, you can't let grief consume you. You have to. You don't. It doesn't go away either. You learn no. to grow around that grief and yeah. move on. And it's not a quick process. It's very much like one it's day painful, at a time. And it's long, and it changes all of us. Yeah. But you are a different person after that, whether you like it or not. It's, now, what kind of person you are after that really is up to you and how you're willing to process that grief. But I, I hope. That Shuri's character, I hope they they do a, a diligent job with that. Like I, I would hate if she was just this sad mopey character. I hope she would take it and be more honorable with it. You're looking for her to be more driven and kind of really focused on honoring her brother's legacy, right? Um, uh, who all do we think? Well, fuck that. We're, we're going to save that. I'm sorry. We're getting more talking yeah, about the I future. Like Let's. Um, but, but you're talking other, about the side characters. Yeah, other so side we're characters. Talking about Sherry. Nakia is his love interest. I don't know. It, it was never really implied at the end of Black Panther if they were together again or not. It felt like it. But it also kind of. It, it felt like it in the way that it almost implied she would be his queen. So it's. I don't know. It was I, I very much feel like, like this movie would have, had he still been alive, I feel like that would have been a subplot, like a major subplot of this film. It definitely would have been more growth in that yeah. relationship. I mean, at this point, how big of a character does she even need to be in this film? And the next one, I mean. Uh, she was definitely his moral compass in the first film, trying to bring him this way, and it took yeah. a longer kind of to show him, like, we do need to do that and she's been right and she's been trying to do it the right way and he's the wrong way like really what it came down to was Killmonger was the devil on his shoulder and Nakia was the angel on his shoulder I actually want to oppose that and I want to tie that back to who I actually think is her antithesis um uh get Okoye. out Okoye oh get out yeah yeah oh, Daniel Kaluuya yes his uh, character what was his character Wakabi Wakabi I actually think that is her polar opposite because he is the one 
that is more about the action. He's the one that wants to do that. Where his total polar opposite, Black Panthers, is Killmonger. I think those two characters oppose each other with their ideals. I'll agree with that. Well, let me. Also, before, I before, think his character is fucking great. I think they did a. Daniel Kaluuya is great in almost anything, to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. Between Get Out and Nope, he's fucking nailing everything he does. And his but, portrayal uh, in that, I don't I, I don't remember people talking about him, but holy shit. That, as a side character, great performance, really stood out. I mean, he steals most of the scenes he's in. It's almost sad that he won't be in this new one, but he won't be in this new one because there were scheduling conflicts uh, he was doing Nope instead and you know what I'd, um, much, ra- I'd yep. much rather have Nope than have that because that character's not necessary moving forward he no. played his role in that in that thematic issue of of border issues and foreign aid yeah and it, it really yeah I, I agree um, it almost but, played a lot into now Wakabi is not necessarily the leader but he's Ahead of the border tribe. There yeah. are several tribes in Wakanda. Five, and, right? Yeah. And uh, I can't even remember all of them, but yeah. I remember the there's whatever the Black Panther tribe is, the kings and queens. I It's very unclear about them, but there's the... Oh, the what's the, the mountain tribe? They, the gorillas. Yeah, I just can't remember where they are. You're the name but, guy, I'm sorry. This yeah, is... I can't even remember it. <laughs> but it's led by Umbaku, who is man ape in the comics, but you shouldn't be calling a... You know, you shouldn't be calling a, <laughs> a, a human being, let alone a black human being, man ape. That's just... It's inappropriate. That's the comic name. I, I won't... I won't pretend at all like that had anything to do with me. That is all Marvel comics. That's the quote to take away from this episode. Saeed calling a character, you know, that man ape. That's the character name. Don't come at me. So I'm I'm glad they went with Mbaku instead. That's a lot easier to digest and not have to stop everything and try to accept that. But (laughs) God, could you imagine that? Wait, wait. What did they just call him? No, 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 honey, that's his name. No, 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 fuck that. What did they just call <laughs> Listen, they already call T'Challa's character Black Panther. Like, a panther's already black. Like, you don't need to, to call him Black Panther, but it's the character name, whatever. Man-Ape is way too far. That's that's like, that's like three steps past Black Panther. <laughs> All right, but also a really good character. M'Baku? Yes. Fantastic. Winston yeah. Duke also worked with uh, Jordan Peele on yeah. us. Which uh, also Lupita Nyong'o, who played uh, Nakia, she was in. She was the lead of us. It almost feels. Oh uh, fuck yeah! A lot of Black Panther cast it works with Jordan Peele a lot. Yeah, it's, I completely missed that. She was much better than us. Oh well, yeah, us. Is, I mean, that's a huge character piece. I would say though, all the characters who do anything with Jordan Peele are a lot better than Jordan Peele's. Like, yeah, I'd actually say his portrayal of Umbaku was uh, more entertaining. Like. It felt really? like he got to have more fun with that. I had more fun with him and us, although I forget really? the character name and us. But, like, yeah, he's this cool, fun summer dad who's just trying to, like, yeah, let's hang. We're having fun. We're on vacation. And uh, at the same time, he's, like, he's kind of a big softy, but when the danger comes, he's out there trying to show up for his family. And he's got the bat. Yeah. I, and then he also gets to play the guy that can't even talk, just, like, this brute. Mm-hmm. I... I don't know. I feel like everybody who works with Jordan... Jordan Peele brings out the best in everybody, I believe. I don't know. I just thought he was super charming in Black Panther. I think his character is a lot more different and interesting for uh, 
Winston Duke to play. I, I, I won't say I like that one better than his other character, but I can see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I, the, the standout scene is when they're pleading with him for help, and he is telling uh, the CIA guy, what is his name? Everett Ross. Everett Ross. Martin Freeman of yeah. Bilbo Baggins. Yep, yeah. yep, yeah. Uh, telling Everett, you know, he's not allowed to speak again or he's going to feed him to his children. Mm-hmm. And just, like, the way he delivers that and they play that, and then he cracks up and starts, you know, oh, no, we're vegetarian. No, nah, I'm just fucking with you. Yeah, that was great. Loved it. Great. You know, that's the kind of humor I loved in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to go back to Claw, played by Andy Serkis, Everett Ross and Claw's interactions together were fucking phenomenal in that little interrogation room. Because obviously all I see the whole time is Bilbo Baggins and fucking uh, uh, Smeagol Gollum. Yeah. Fucking talking riddles to each other in a cave. But here they are talking about vibranium and Wakandan technology. It's just, I don't know, it obviously has no relevance to the movie. But to me, I was just a little giddy like, oh, it's Andy Serkis and it's Martin Freeman. Andy Serkis was really good in that, though. Andy I'm almost sad that Killmonger kills Claw. Yeah. Because Claw was such a fun character for Marvel to have and then kill. I mean, that's... But also, I really appreciated that they did kill that character because that showed how serious Killmonger was. That right, they're willing to have him just kill off this fun character. It doesn't feel... Like, it doesn't hit home the way it should. I don't feel like... Yeah, it happens, but I'm never like, oh, fuck, man, that guy's so dangerous. I'm just like, eh, okay. I took it as Claw... I mean, they spend the first half of the movie, essentially, playing Claw up like this major threat. He's been a terrorist of Wakanda for 30 years. And obviously, he was that threat in Age of Ultron, too. He was a black market arms dealer. Yeah, and he even teaches Killmonger, when they're stealing the shit, why did you do that? Oh, it spreads the crime scene out. It makes them think we're amateurs. Yeah, like, it just... He's played, like, the lead. As this, this intense villain. Yeah. For Killmonger to kill him, I feel like that was a step to show how serious and how dangerous Killmonger really is. Because he shoots Claw the first time through his girlfriend. Like, through mm-hmm. Killmonger's girlfriend. Because Claw Kills has her as a bodyguard or a body shield yeah. with her. And he just says, alright, fuck it, sorry. Boom. And shoots, it kills her. Yeah. And wounds Claw in the shoulder, the bullet going through her. And then it's like a chase to hunt him down and kill him real quick. But and it just shows, I feel like that was more to show how vicious Killmonger will be too. They showed it, but did you feel it? Did you feel like this guy is a serious fucking threat? Because the way the film portrayed it, yes, it all happened, but the way the impact hit me, the way it was filmed, uh, the tone of it, whatever, never hit me like, I need to be afraid of this guy. I was more like, oh fuck, okay, what are we doing here? I was impressed it happened, but it never had that impact on me. Like, oh, shit. It didn't to me in the oh, shit, until he brings Claw's body to Wakanda, up to Wakabi, who already has his hatred of Claw because he's an orphan because of Claw. Yeah. And drops Claw's body right in front of him. He's like, hey, I brought a gift. Yeah, I got you a present. And (laughs) it kind of, that's him starting to win over. Because he's not just the, I'm coming in, I'm killing, and I'm in charge now. He's very much like, and he set up, they mentioned this in the movie, he knows how to tear down leaderships and countries, and that's by winning over part of the population. And yeah. he, he immediately wins over the border drive. I think I I think that is part of where the film fails. Really? Is it does not embrace that political discourse. Because 
A, I get it. It's Disney. You don't want to do that. But, man, that film, that could have been such an incredible theme. And had uh, T'Challa's speech at the UN, that is a great fucking speech. <laughs> that is, honestly, some of the best character work scene that he had, and they bury it mid-credits. Yeah, that was a shame. And I'll say that mostly because I didn't rewatch that scene. As soon as the credits started, I was like, yeah, good enough. I remember what the two scenes are. That's good. I so did. I, so I, I didn't even rewatch that scene. I, but watching that, I was like, what the fuck? It's like, that's the shit this film should have had more of and been focused on and allowed T'Challa to do this. Because it, it almost feels like he's neuter, trying to figure out who he is. And then you get little glimpses like this, and it's like, yes, yes, this. Do more of this. Right. But I get it's Disney, and they class, don't want the, the fucking... Uh, why is my mind blanking? They don't want the, the, the fucking discourse, bad press yeah. discourse of, you know, addressing that. Which, I get it, but come on. That's what you're fucking pretty much making. Stop sidestepping it. It's phenomenal, but I get why they didn't end the true movie on that. Because their true ending, which is uh, T'Challa taking his sister Shuri to the basketball court in the building where their uncle died and Killmonger really kind of became the villain he was and and mentions like oh I, they were going to tear this building down and Shuri who is naive and arrogant because she doesn't understand the issue at hand right. it's like good tear it down because he, he tells her like oh this is where our father killed her uncle and she just sees as, as I want to wipe away the past and T'Challa's like no 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 I'm buying this building and this is going to be our community outreach. This is where we're starting. This is the new Wakanda outreach program where you're branching out and helping here because this has significance. This is where... And this leans more into why Killmonger isn't necessarily a straight-out villain. It's... He was... Killmonger was right, is the issue. He was wrong about how he did it, but the character in itself was right. Yeah. And T'Challa learns that, and that being the birth of Killmonger there and the place where Killmonger's father... Njobu, I believe, because Killmonger is Njadaka, I believe, but Njobu there died. He wanted to honor, because to him, that is still his family, that is his cousin, that is his uncle, and tradition and family means everything to T'Challa. There's a lot of T's, but to T'Challa. I felt that was so important for him to cut her down when she's saying, good, tear it down for him to go, no, no, no. That's, that's not how we're going to be doing things. Because to just wipe away the dark parts of your history, you're not learning from it. Exactly. And that's... I feel like that's the whole theme of the movie is this... We're here to help people. We've made our mistakes. And I... He... I, I want to go back to, on this point, T'Challa, every time he takes the heart-shaped earth, he has to be buried. And essentially... He kind of dies for a bit and goes to their afterlife. Yeah. Where he gets to see the the ancestors, the old kings. And he the first time he talks with his father and they have to talk about how he's not ready to be a, a king. He's not ready to be without his father. Yeah. And his he doesn't like, feel ready for this position. Right. And and his father's like, if you're not ready, then I failed you. Have I failed you? And it's, it's more... It's not a father-son relationship as much as it should be. It's more of a king-to-prince relationship. Right. And that really shows more when T'Challa 
kind of faces the fact more later when he comes back to his afterlife after he's lost the fight and takes the herb again and meets with them and screams at them saying you're wrong all of you you're wrong your ideals are wrong you've created such a mess by hiding your wealth and keeping all this this greed and this power to yourselves this is we should be helping the world fantastic I tear up thinking about it like just a lot of the movie I, I started to wonder like is Chadwick Boseman really selling it again like he did in Civil War? And that scene alone, I was like, oh, fuck, he's into it. I'm, I'm here <laughs> for it. I, Chadwick Boseman is a, a new hero of... Not even, like, super. I mean, like, he is definitely a driving force going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, when I found out Chadwick Boseman passed, it hurt. I was like, oh, fuck, how are we going to do this? Like, this, I, is, this is a man who has become to represent so much... I felt ashamed because I kind of fell into the whole speculation when the photos of him leaked and he was very sick and there was a lot of speculation and I was just kind of like, what's going on? Is this for a role? How is he going to come back? And then you find out that he's been hiding his illness from everybody and he passed. I, I felt ashamed of myself. It was, that was terrible. It was almost like shell shock for me. My coworker told me at work, she... She came up and said, hey, do you know who Chadwick Boseman is? I was like, oh, yeah, that's T'Challa. That's that's Jackie Robinson. That, it's Get On Up. I mean, it's this dude has amazing roles. He's very aware of what he's doing, and he's driving to be a, a not even just a voice, but a symbol of representation in film as this new leading man in the world by bringing oh, up shit. these iconic stars or iconic uh, you know, rolls. Kind of yeah, sorry, we're slightly distracted. There yeah, is a there's a lot of uh, flashing lot of lights. emergency lights up here. Anyway, um, but, yeah. To, yeah. And then for her to, to say, oh, he died, I was like, are, are you serious? Like, that's that's, that's awful. That's awful. And I, I even, I, I don't do it a lot. I've only got, I would say, three memorial-type tattoos. I have... A shoulder piece for a web series lead I loved and he passed. I have uh, Stanley's autograph on my wrist because the MCU means so much to me. And on my hand, top of my hand now, I have the Black Panther as the Simba Cub from The Lion King, surrounded by, in the Wakanda text, Wakanda Forever. Fucking poser. Yeah, exactly. I got it, I got it years before the the new film's title was announced. Oh, you got it first, huh? Yeah, I got it before. It was cool. <laughs> a lot of lights. This is uh, like, that looks like a pretty bad accent. Yeah, there's like a crowd there. I wonder if somebody has that might bad, bad timing to talk about this passing. <laughs> but uh, it, it was genuinely sad. And going forward, I was... I, at first, I didn't even think about how they're going to do Black Panther. That I didn't, no. I didn't even want to think about it. It was just like a... We're going to leave this sit until a good amount of time has passed. This isn't... And I feel like it's something Marvels have been very respectful of. Because William Hurt passed, and nobody even thought of, like, well, who's going to play General Ross now? Like, that was never a thought. Honestly, I, that wasn't even a thought any of us had until the rumors of Harrison Ford... It's official. ...three or four months ago. Well, it was three or four months ago. The rumors uh, it was started, rumor, yeah, yeah. That I even started to consider that as an option. But Marvel's done a fantastic job with that. But just rewatching it now that he has passed, because I haven't watched it since before he passed. Rewatching it, 
that scene where he's in the afterlife and telling him how wrong he is and he's not ready to go yet. Like, they were trying to tell him, join us, you're dead. It's yeah, fine. it's your time. And he's saying, no, I have to fix your mess. I have to fix my mess. We all made this mistake and now I have to fix it. And he's not ready to go. Almost hurt the same way Stan Lee's cameo in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse kind of hurt where... Uh, you know, Miles Duncan does it. What, what if it doesn't fit? And it's Stanley saying it always fits eventually. And yeah, you'll grow into it. It's played like a joke, but it's more of a like we'll all find our place in the world mm-hmm. kind of meaning. And it's I feel like there's a creative team that can think about this in a genuine and loving way. It, it can mean so much to an audience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sorry. Uh, yeah, we got way off topic. I, I dwelled on, on that very longer than somber, I meant to, but that very was definitely somber piece, but. that was like important. Um, all right, we we've. I want to touch on one other thing where I feel the film was slightly lacking, um, and it is the only time I'm going to say that I think the direction was slightly off, uh, and it's the casino fight scene. I don't feel the cinematography was able to keep up with the action. Rewatching it, it was just like, this is kind of messy. Really? Because in the behind the scenes, they're really proud of that. Uh, I thought that was not very good. If we're talking about our complaints, my only true complaint with the movie is the the climatic climatic, climatic battle at the end. Oh, God. Not even the whole one, but mostly just... The CGI? The very end, where it's Killmonger and T'Challa in the light speed tunnel thing they have for the vibranium the CGI of that scene is horrendous and I've heard since that there's been a big issue with Marvel and their VFX team's CGI crunch apparently is nightmarishly awful and Disney tends to threaten CGI studios with the if you don't we'll find someone who can Right. and you won't get the job at all so they tend to and it's been an issue a lot lately too, kind of uh, CGI a lot of time. And it's because of these rushed schedules and this crunch that they can just do what they can. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not great. Like I feel like that was the starting point of the really bad. It CGI was noticeable. Scenes. But it I, was like I can a PlayStation it, Two yeah. cutscene at yeah. times. It was rough. But I can lend that in my mind to the fact that it's like these are nano suits that have to keep coming on and off in patches and. They have yeah. to do weird, like, superhero flexible moves around it walls felt... and trains. And I'm like, ah, whatever, sure. This is the two characters that look exactly the same slashing at each other in a dark room. Got it. You're, you're right. And I think the problem that you're probably not even touching upon is it felt weightless, too. Yeah. Like, there's one shot where Killmonger throws T'Challa kind of off of the track, track I yeah. guess. And he catches one of the light speed bars with his claws, and he like swings around, almost like Wolverine does with his claws in the first mm-hmm. X-Men movie with the Statue of Liberty's crown point, right? Yeah. And swings around it, but the camera like follows him the whole time, so he's stationary while the entire uh, scene around him flips and does this like circular activity, and it's just this really jarring scene that it takes me out of it every time. I'm like, okay, what the fuck. But I will say, the rest of it, past my complaint about the direction, I think is gorgeous. The scenery, a lot of the shots, 
All spot right. on. And that's why that stood out to me. I was just like, this feels messy and it's hard to follow. Whereas the rest of it, gorgeous. Killmonger's death scene where he's, you know, he lets himself die. They're on that cliffside with that beautiful fucking sunset. Yeah, sunset. Yeah. And it's this beautiful moment because his dad always told him about the sunsets and you have this awesome scenery of a very lush African like plains and this mountainside that is just beautiful and it's all keyed around this panther statue inside of the mountain and it's all of it is like you could make it your background on a, on a computer or something and yeah. you wouldn't think twice about it no and, and I think it's full of that I, I think um, to be more positive we were talking about the actors I think it's full of great performances uh, I, I think this story is well told. I don't think it's well balanced, as I said, but I think it's very well told. Um, uh, if we're talking acting, I'd say the weakest, and it's not even a weak performance, but the weakest performance was Martin Freeman as Everett Ross. Really? And I think it's just because I don't, I don't think he does a convincing American accent, and he's he's a British man doing an American character, and he's playing. You know, Mr. CIA or whatever the hell branch he's in. CIA. Is he CIA, though? Yeah. But he's a little too brutish for how kind of small of a man he is. Like, like I get you're the skilled agent, but he doesn't really does anything skilled except get shot. He's around fucking superheroes. I understand that, but, like, I don't know. Natasha Romanoff is a skilled... Bucky, I guess he's kind of a super soldier, but... Yeah. But uh, Sam Wilson... Fucking without his wings, he still fucking fights and kicks at. Uh, he just he seems like more of the old man spy kind of thing. But yeah, he's even, James Bond. But even the spies in this world are already kind of like kick assy. So it, he just I don't know. It it felt like an awkward character, and I don't know what the representation of his character is supposed to be. Like I I don't mind the character. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining about the character. I'm just saying in a movie full of amazing performances, is is a step below the rest. Uh, see, I if I was to really nitpick, I would I would say that Claw's performance should have been reeled in a tiny bit. He's like, he's like a little too goofy. Uh, yeah, a little the you, like the make it rain could have been cut. Just little things that felt like he was just riffing too much. He should have just been reeled back a little bit. Uh, but, I wouldn't even say reeled back, but that. He says, oh, I made it rain, and then it's his goons grabbing him to make him leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe he should have been like, oh, I made it rain, and then fucking booked it out. Like, if he... Or even says he it while like, he's running. Right, like, if he was a little more serious about the escape, he seemed... I don't want just a goofy character there being goofy. I want him to, like... Have be, fun and still... Be doing things still. Yeah. You but can have fun of, with uh, it and be goofy and still be a fucking serious character. Right, it's... That whole scene, everything from... I pretty much everything Claw is his goons getting him everywhere. It's him just being goofy in a place, and then his goons or Killmonger moving him from place to place. Like even the interrogation scene is just him being goofy until they go and grab him. And you, uh, I do. I wanted to go back to your Martin Freeman. Uh, You're saying you weren't sure really what he represented. To me, I think he kind of represents the outsider that's being introduced to this world and seeing the leader that T'Challa is going to be because we really get that with the UN scene where he's That's smiling fair. and approving and yeah, that kind was of like, kind of my take. If I would take that if I didn't know how the American government kind of worked. 
There's no way this that This is a film There's no way that He would come back And go Guys T'Challa's cool And they'd all be like Okay never mind They would invade that country So fucking fast I mean You gotta realize This is This is not Real yeah. world <laughs> It just It's It's almost like this Glorified version of Like we're cool And friends now And I would almost And he almost He does mention it Earlier in the movie About uh Zemo and saying like oh, I gave you Zemo and he's like you know I covered up that you're a king and running around in a little cat suit. suit so <laughs> I think we're even I can I can buy that he's willing to keep hiding Wakanda as well yeah like he's like I'm not telling them I'm not gonna let them know that you guys are as amazing and advanced as you are yeah but I think that nod in that scene you're talking about is very much of approval of like you're I'm, doing the right thing you're, you're making the step to help out with this amazing power. Yeah. Like, it lends to, he never once has to question T'Challa. Everything T'Challa does, T'Challa does with purpose. Now, to kind of wrap up here, I just want to ask, in the beginning, I said it felt like the film kind of pulls its punches, and you agree. What do you... I I would say it only pulls its punches in a few scenes. I feel like, as a film, the entire thing works amazingly. But... I agree mostly with that car chase scene you're talking about yeah. where it almost has this really deep rooted meaning of almost there's almost a mirror to police brutality in the fact that T'Challa's gonna kill Claw there and then all yeah. the cameras come out and he kinda stops. But yeah. and obviously that might be just looking too into it, but there's almost a moment there with a, a real meaning behind it. And then for them to do that joke with the car falling apart and she's holding the wheel as she's skidding around yeah. it undercuts everything that comes yes. next yeah so that's more when I agree with it it's pulling its punches because yep. that movie could have not that it doesn't but that movie could have so much meaning to it that could have been like the pinnacle of Marvel's messaging so I think we have pretty much the same takeaway that it could have been so much more so then that leaves me asking what what rating do you give it uh, well, I mean, I've, it's hard to say because I'm <laughs> saying it could do more, and I have issues with it, but I still think it's an amazing movie. Right, and there's that enjoyment factor and all that. We're not taking any of that away. I'm just saying, you know, what what rating? I would give it four and a half stars. Okay, that's the, fair. There's room for improvement, but it's a damn near perfect to me. Yes, yeah. and that's fine. Idea. Um. I'm slightly lower. I'm going to go with a four. Because as I said, I, I'm nitpicking. I'm not really even nitpicking. I'm just saying there are these areas that I think the film could have been better. And I'm not blaming anyone. Well, uh, the cinematography there, I'm, I'm bra- blaming the director. But the rest of it, I feel is probably... Studio. Yeah. Like, hey. Not willing to take the thing. risk. Right. And, and here's the formula. Let's have a joke here. And ooh, don't touch upon that subject. I feel that's Disney, and that comes with the territory, but it's still at a great film with some amazing scenery, great acting, and it's highly enjoyable. So yeah, four stars. So and, that comes uh, out to a 4.25 between us? Yep. Which is an 85 out of 100. Your love of math. Our audience... It's in my blood. Yeah, they're... <laughs> <laughs> in your blood, Jesus yeah, Christ. I'm Asian, so it's in my blood. And <laughs> I'm allowed to say it. You can't say it, but I'm allowed to say that. No, that's not right. Because that's, that's why I'm not black Saeed. I'm Asian Saeed. That's not right because we can't be pulling shit like that out. I'm German. I can't say anything that's in my blood. Yeah, you're talking about the Nazi oven of uh, Halloween. 
It's a fucking Nazi oven. Yeah, and you can say that. I can. <laughs> <laughs> You've arrived at your destination.